Thank you for joining the Element Church Podcast, where we exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message inspires and strengthens your faith. Well, believe it or not, spring is here. And with spring comes all the beautiful flowers, lush lawns, green trees. So I want to take a poll today, and I want to know who are all my self-proclaimed green thumbs? Okay, we got, we got a couple, yeah. How about my I've done everything possible right and I still kill the plants people? Yeah, yeah, that's me too. <laughs> well, when we're growing up, we learn about different life cycles in school, things specifically to plants about how they need oxygen, water, sunlight, and nutrients to grow. But we don't really talk about the things that need to be removed in order to promote growth. For example, with our lawns, we've got to get all the kids' toys off of the lawn. Um, as well as the winter's worth of pet poo. We also need to go ahead and aerate the lawn, you know, digging up those clumps of dirt that also look like pet poo, so that the water and the sunshine and all the things can get to the roots of your lawn. And for those of you who keep flower beds, you know that you have to remove different debris, like stones, sticks, old roots. And then, of course, there's the task of making sure that your soil is loose, that it's got all the right nutrients for whatever it is that you're planning to plant in that soil. You spend all this time and energy growing something new, and then the seasons change. Fall and winter leave behind new debris, and it compacts that ground. That ground has been used up of all of its nutrients. Well, my name's Kat Fiore. I am actually the discipleship pastor here, and I've got a fever, and the only prescription is more flowers. I really do love watching new things grow and bloom, but in particular, my favorite is watching people grow in their faith, learning how to allow Jesus to lead them in their lives. As far as plants and lawn care go, I just am not great at it. I can keep dead flowers alive like a bouquet forever, but I can also kill a cactus. I've determined that the best thing for me to plant is wildflowers because you can set it and forget it. Well, today we're kicking off a brand new sermon series called Lost Value, talking about the lost value of things. And there are so many things that God tells us to remember and to value, things like his name and his instructions, other people, the widows, orphans, foreigners. We're to remember where we've been and where he's delivered us from, both individually and as a community of his followers. And then there's things that we're supposed to be celebrating and upholding, but we're just quick to forget all of these things. So today's topic for lost value, you might guess, is gardening. Just kidding. It is community. (laughs) But we are going to see today just how community and discipleship go hand in hand. Our main scripture today is going to be the parable of the farmer scattering the seed, and you can find that in Matthew uh, chapter 13. If you don't have your Bible with you, all the scripture today is going to be up on the screen, and just fair warning, there's a lot of it. Um, If you don't have a Bible, please don't leave today without one. We would love to give you one free of charge. You can swing by the living room or there's a guest services desk out in the lobby. Just ask for a Bible there and we'll give you one, no questions asked. Um, Also, if you prefer the digital way, you can download the YouVersion Bible app and you can also follow along with all of the sermon notes. So Matthew 13, starting in verse 3, says, Jesus told many stories in the form of parables, such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some fell on a footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. 
The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun because they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Would you please join me in prayer this morning? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, for your instruction. I ask that you would allow the words of my mouth to be your words. You understand all of our hearts. You see each one of us, where we are, how we are, no matter how we've come before you today. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would move within this place, that you would tend to the soil in our hearts in a way that only you can. In Jesus' mighty name we ask, amen. All right, so in order to understand what the value of community is, we have to know what community is. So biblically, community translates to four things. It's joint participation, association, fellowship, and communion. So you might think of a wedding. When you attend a wedding, the officiant comes up and says, we are gathered here today to witness the union of these two individuals. So you are associated with this couple now. Or if you are passionate about some kind of cause, social justice, things like this, you might attend a rally or a march. So for example, I attend, I like to participate in like the suicide awareness walks and events because they are part of my community. That is my joint association. The saying, we are with whom we associate is true. Good or bad, right or wrong. I do have a visual um, example of community for you. Go ahead and check out this video. Are you tired of small groups always getting into your business? Trying to get you to share your feelings, discuss your past, confess your sins? Are you just looking for a place to kick it, network, maybe get some free grub? Me too. That's why I created what I believe to be the world's first openly shallow small group. We're not here to deal with messy stuff like feelings and emotions. You got problems? You deal with that. You're an adult. Life ain't easy. So stop the pity party. We all have our issues. We don't really want to do life together. Frankly, at Shallow Small Group, we try not to do much of anything at all. You'll never hear us use the term, unpack that thought. We're sure it's packed away for a really good reason. And you'll never hear us use the term accountability unless you're talking about someone who deals with numbers. Hey, dude, thanks for doing my taxes. You have great accountability. And spiritual growth? Who wants growth? I had a growth removed last week. There's no pressure here to remember each other's name. What's going on, buddy? Oh, hey, man. How's it going? That's good. good. Oh, dude. Captain, what's going on? We know you have a name, and that's the important thing. Group discussion? You got tickets to the big game? Sweet. Let's spend some time on that. Oh, you and your wife are struggling financially? There's tension in the relationship? Uh, That's not really the vibe we're going for. We avoid conflict like the plague. (laughs) And there will never, ever be an awkward silence. That's our guarantee to you. We hate bad theology as much as the next guy. And we know the surest way to prevent bad theology is to avoid theology altogether. And outreach? This is the only outreach you'll ever have to do. Some people say we're superficial, but hey, the word supers and superficial. I mean, who doesn't want to be super? Shallow small group, because when things get too deep, 
People drown. <laughs> Won't you join us? So as you can see there, they have joint participation in being shallow. So before Jesus actually shared this parable, he actually gave us some insight on his thoughts of community. So if we go back up to Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 46, it says, as Jesus was speaking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside asking to speak with him. Someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are outside and they want to speak to you. Jesus asked, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And then he pointed to his disciples and said, look, these are my mother and my brothers. Anyone who does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. Jesus wants us to be joint participants in the work of God. All right, so now we know the what, that community is joint participation, association, fellowship, communion. So next we need to know why is it important. So what is community's value? Reading back through this parable and going on to explain Jesus' explanation of the parable, says, listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. As he scattered them across his field, some seeds fell on footpath, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the, seed, the soil was shallow, but the plants soon wilted under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns that grew up and choked out the tender plants, Still there were seeds that fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that has been planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing in God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. So the first value of community is that it tends to the soil of our hearts. Each one of us came into this room, this building, you're watching from a TV screen someplace, in different conditions. Here are some of the different ways that these soils might reflect where you are today. First, we have the footpath. Life has a way of taking our natural curiosity and optimism about life and squishing it like a pancake. We harden our hearts to keep the pain from taking us down again, and sometimes we can't see just how compacted our hearts are. And then we've got the rocky soil, so maybe you were in that stage, but you've started tilling that soil, you're allowing the water, the air, the sunlight to heal these places of pain. However, you might still have some large stones or sticks, things like pain, pride, sin, habits that are keeping God's word from growing any deeper in your life. And we have among the thorns. And your heart is receptive to everything. You've said yes to Jesus, you understand the gospel, but you allow it to intermingle with other worldviews. Eventually, those thorns are going to choke out the truth in your life. And believe me, I get it. Allowing our hearts to be tended to when they're in these different conditions is painful. 
So I grew up being a weekend Christian, which for me meant going to church on Sundays with my grandparents. And I still remember all the silly songs we sang with their gestures. You know, we got Father Abraham and Deep and Wide and This Little Light of Mine. But as I grew, I wanted to make my faith my own. So when I was 11, I talked to my grandparents and told them that I want to be baptized. They talked with me to make sure that I understood what it meant to be a Christian, what it meant to be baptized, and then they even scheduled a meeting with the pastor so that everyone knew for sure that I knew what I was doing. But after that special moment, after I was baptized, I expected that God was going to like, readjust some situations in my life. I figured that following Jesus was going to make my life more steady. And as you might guess, it didn't. So when Jesus didn't fix my life like the magical genie I expected him to be, I decided that I could do life better on my own. So for me, you could say that the seed had fallen on shallow soil. I knew enough just to know, but life had already done quite the work of adding stones and compacting my soil. Now when I reflect on that time, I completely understand where all that confusion lied. I had conflict at home, there was trauma and pain caused by those who loved me. I never felt at home in a church that I had attended for years. I had practicing Christians in my life who justified uh, racism, they were legalistic or judgmental, and they all used the Bible to back that up. And then I had other people who said that they were Christians, but other than saying they were Christians, their lives just did not reflect their faith. My now husband, Aaron, kept inviting me to come to church, but I was like, you know, no, like I've already done this before. I had experienced a really long, painful winter. I lost my first husband to suicide. The second guy that I was engaged to, I lost to cancer. And even before those things happened, I had spent many years numbing my pain with substances and seeking false gods for reassurance. My heart was a footpath when I finally said yes to attending church. But the moment that I stepped into Element, I knew that this place was different. I thank God specifically for this church and for her people that made this place a home for me. People allowed me to wrestle with all of my skepticism and my difficult questions without any judgment or criticism. And I had a lot of difficult questions and a lot of skepticism. So now I can say that we, as Element Church, exist to guide people to experience life to its fullest, connect into meaningful relationships, and make a lasting impact. So if you are here today, if you believe what we do or not, and if you ever come to those terms, that's up to you. But I want you to know that you, your doubt, your questions, your skepticism, they are all welcome here. But I also want to take a moment to acknowledge our volunteers. One of our core values here is it matters. No matter how you serve in the church, it matters for you, and it matters for the church. Now, because of volunteers who did super simple things, like opening the door, taking the time to talk with me, engaging with me, when I started volunteering, they led me. They understood, like, they took time to listen to my story. They led me to be a good volunteer. The ones who led small groups I attended and really allowed me to ask all of my difficult questions, they are all the ones who allowed me to make my faith my own and allowed God to shape me into who I am today. So right now, if you volunteer for our church in any way, would you please stand up? All right. Join me in thanking these guys for making this place a home.
Thank you, guys. The ultimate goal of community is to cultivate good soil. Now, good, biblically defined, is excellent in nature and characteristics and therefore well adapted to its ends. So if we're sticking with this analogy of soil, the ends to this is producing good, healthy, thriving plants that flower, that produce fruit. John, who is one of Jesus' disciples, reiterates this goal of Christian community to become more like Christ in our daily lives and in how we love others in the world. He says, we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Remember, our definition of community is joint participation, association, fellowship, communion. Which means that community cannot be done alone. Proverbs 18.1 sheds light on this. It says, when one who isolates himself pursues selfish desires, which means that it can't possibly be the desires of Christ, he rebels against all sound wisdom. Now, you might be wondering, again, I mean, outside of that, why can't community be done alone? Well, one of my favorite scriptures comes from 2 Corinthians 1, starting in verse 3, which says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. You can't comfort others alone. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. And even when we're weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. For when we ourselves are comforted, we will certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. All right, guys, so what's the value of community? We know what community is. We've got some insight on why it's valuable, but how do we live this out? Like, what's the practical application here? First of all, we have to do it in unity. Paul, when he's addressing the arguments among the church, states, when one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? After all, who is Apollos and who is Paul? We are only God's servants through whom you believed the good news. Each of us did the work that the Lord gave us. I planted the seed in your hearts and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. The one who plants and the one who waters work together for the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their own hard work. For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field, you are God's building." So whether it is Jeff or Derry or whoever God happens to place here as our next lead pastor, it doesn't matter who's in this pulpit. What matters is that God makes the seeds of faith grow. I also want to circle back to that core value of it matters. The one who plants and the one who waters, these are two very different jobs. Yet we see how they work together for the same purpose. In Romans 14, starting in verse 3, it says, Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? 
Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall, and with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. And church, that is something we should be praying for our brothers and sisters, that the Lord will help them and they will stand in approval. So why condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So no matter how or where you serve, if your motivation is Christ, it matters. And you're making an impact not just for element, but for the kingdom. And that's what is important. So whether you clean the church building during the week or you buy someone else's meal, you take the time to actually listen to someone's story, your obedience is joint participation in the work of God. So in action, we see in unity and then in prayer. Prayer does come first, but we always struggle with this unity portion. So um, Luke 10.2 says, The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead to all the towns and places he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. So through prayer, first of all, we are asking that we're praying for God's fields, specifically that he makes the seeds grow. And then we're praying for the workers, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, that they would be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit wherever and whatever kind of situation that might put them in. And this prayer is answered when people step in to be workers in the church that they call home. But I also don't want us to miss that this prayer is answered when people are sent out to use the gifts and everything that they've learned to do God's work in a new place. And then in action, we have just this thought of gardening and taking care of the soil Tilling soil is hard work. We can pray for provision and rain all day long, but we also have to have some skin in the game, getting our hands dirty to prepare the way for Christ to work. So here is a couple of suggestions. You know, if, if today you walked in here and you're like, I resonate with the footpath, we need people in our lives to see us beyond our rough exterior. Those who understand how we've gotten to where we are and are willing to put in the hard work of breaking our rough exterior. And maybe you already have that person or these people in your life. So the question becomes, are you allowing them to speak life back into you? Are you allowing them to challenge you and to work on that soil? If you came in today and you identify with the rocky soil, community allows us to find and rely on more deeply rooted believers to walk alongside us and make us strong when we're growing weary. So your prayer today might be this. I do believe, Lord, but help me overcome my unbelief. If you resonated with among the thorns, like you have been, you've said yes to Jesus, you've been following him for quite a while, but your life doesn't quite reflect the faith that you claim to believe, Christ tells us to count the cost of following him. And there are several strong warnings in scripture for what is done in the name of, of Jesus. So like if you say, I am a Christian, and then you do these things, that we are called to account for that. 1 John 1, 5 through 7 says, This is the message we have heard from Jesus, and now we declare it to you. God is light. There is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say that we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth. 
But if we are living in the light as God is living in the light, then we have fellowship with each other and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So today for you, your action step might be simply just to recommit your life to the Lord and submit this day forward to his authority. Maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what, I'm good. I'm that good soil. I got all these people and we're doing good things and life's great. So I just have a word of encouragement for you. It comes from Romans 12, starting in verse 11. Paul says, never be lazy, but work hard to serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. So the lost value of community, ultimately it boils down to this. Christian community is valuable because it creates fertile soil in our lives, in the lives of believers, so that they can produce good fruit and conquer evil by doing good. So maybe you're here today um, and you have been feeling this stir within you, whether it was through worship or through the word, but you feel God knocking. I just want you to take this time today, we're actually going to get to participate in our community through communion. Um, so you don't have to be a member of Element Church in order to take part in communion. We only ask that you're in right standing with God. What's commonly known as the Last Supper um, in Matthew 26 says this, As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and blessed it. He broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take this and eat it, for this is my body. And he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them and said, each of you drink from it. That for this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. So up here on the stage, on the two corners here, we've got uh, prepackaged elements. And in case you've never done this before, there's a top tearaway. And that's where the bread is. And then the second tearaway has the juice. Um, and I'm going to close the service in prayer here in just a minute. Um, we do ask just some basic instructions that you send one person from your party. So like if there's four of you, you just send one person up to grab four of the things. Um, but yeah, if you're here, you felt that stirring by God. God sent Jesus in the flesh to come and live a sinless life as a human. And he took on all the sins of humanity through his crucifixion on the cross. And we sang all about that this morning in worship. Three days later, he rose from the grave, conquering death, and it's by faith in him alone that makes us right with God. Romans 10:9 says that if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it's not some prayer, it's not anything you do, it's simply this declaration that Jesus is Lord. And Ephesians 2:8 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. 
It is a gift from God. And you can receive this gift and participate in communion with us. Would you please join me in prayer? Gracious Father, I just thank you so much for the gift of community. That although we as humanity have chosen to rebel against you, that you graciously sent your son so that we could have fellowship with you, that we can be joint participants in your work. Father, I ask that you forgive us of our sins. Again, each one of us brought in our own stuff today, and you see us, and I ask that you would just bring this to light. Anywhere that we can grow as individuals and as your body, bring that to light. Give us people to grow alongside, Father, and to tend to the soil, and that we can tend to. We want to be the joint participants in your work that you've called us to be. We want to be associated with you. We want to have this fellowship with you, Father. I ask that you would stir this within our hearts, that you would give us this hunger to be near with you. Holy Spirit, empower us and work within us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you are here this morning and you would like to uh, pray or talk with anyone, we do have a prayer team in the back. Um, we're going to leave the soft music playing. So take as much time as you need to reflect and take your communion. Um, and may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of you. The communion table is now open. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast or follow us on social media. To learn more about our gathering times in Cheyenne, Wyoming, or to take your next step, visit our website, elementchurch.life. Thanks for tuning in. Catch you next week right here on the Element Church Podcast.